3: Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. It is Wednesday, uh, but we will be joined by one of the uh, regular contributors on a Wednesday in John Hughes, but not Kevin Graham. I would have enjoyed Kevin's take on last night's game, John. He has a very uh, blunt view of the Champions League and Celtics performances (laughs) in it. But he is sunning himself somewhere on the globe, somewhere on the planet, Um, and it's yourself and I. You were at the game. Give me just a brief overview of uh, last night for you, the experience of that, the hopes getting built up, then shattered again. Uh, How was it for you last night? Uh,
2: The first 74 minutes were excellent, Uh, you know, but... In Terms of the build up to everyone, it's just you know, build up to Champions League games, it's always exciting. Uh, we had to, uh, someone very generously, uh, or uh, sorted out tickets for us, so uh, a kind man, so he is. Uh, so we and uh, we had to meet uh, people quite early, so we were in the ground very early, which was great. Um, so just taking it all in, um, but. Yeah, no, it was it was a good atmosphere. Was pretty good, Uh, certainly in the first half. It was great. It was quite tense. Uh, Second half, uh, again, it was pretty tense and a bit more anxious. Um, And then uh, people uh, started getting very annoyed when when we lost the goal. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, it wasn't. You know, I know this is always controversial to say this, but you know, when that second goal went in, it was 84 minutes and. Just floods of people just left, yeah. you know, just walked out, which I don't get it myself, how much quicker are you actually get into your car, you know. It's, anyway, look, people can do it the way, I'm not criticising other fans. I'm just saying it's it's an odd look for, you know, um, a supporters group that claims to be amongst the best in the world. It's an odd look where a goal is scored with five minutes left in the game and uh, a huge number of people just upped and left. Um, so that wasn't great. But other than that, uh, you know, <clears throat> the game itself obviously will come to it, but the, in terms of atmosphere, I thought it was i thought it was very good um, and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the night apart from the result.
3: Yeah. L- last night after the game, John, Kevin McCluskey and I had been uh, pretty positive, I've got to say, in, in the pre-match, even at half-time, or very positive about uh, the way things were going. Uh, but we have been in uh, Europe on, on the match days this season. But after the game, I think there was a, an airy disappointment insofar as we, we didn't really focus on the game as such and, and what went wrong specifically. We, we spoke more about where we are in terms of our European performances and where we are going uh, in Europe. And I think up until... Fairly recently, it was a real bugbear. I mentioned Kevin Graham tongue-in-cheek, but it was a, a real bugbear of the pair of us from the earliest days um, of Axon where we were speaking about where are the club going? What is the aspiration in Europe, John? You know, And the, the team that uh, was built in the 60s and the 70s that gave us an aspiration because prior to that, there was no European football for Celtic. But since then, we've always tried to maintain that, that, um, that level and it's never going to be maintained. Dan spoke about that uh, just the other week there. he will never ever get to the, the lofty heights of Jockstein. However, the only reason we have a dream in Europe is because of that side in the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. But then it's been kind of, you know, slim pickings, really. I, I said last night about the UEFA Cup final. Great. Did we build on it? Probably not. And then we've had a few Champions League, um, you know, last sixteen adventures as well, which were fantastic. But we haven't been able to do it, you know, since really. And and the frustration for us was the fact that the club never really spoke about what our aspiration was, John. And you get that sense that you're just happy to be at the party and and take your cheque and go away. I don't think that's where we are now, though. I think Ange has given a different view view on that, and, and the ambition is different.
2: Yeah, well, you know, the issue is, as a supporter, it's the hope that kills you. Now, I said before the game, I I would be happy for a point. uh, And I had people coming on to my Twitter and basically saying, oh, no, we need three points to get second. And I was like, "Eh, wait a minute, lads, did you see the game last week? You know, because they had five in the net and they could have had, I don't know, eight Uh, you just don't turn that around in a week and nothing good has happened to us since the CCV come back and then we lost McGregor Mm -hmm. and we lost Shota so nothing good happened to our squad Um, and they were playing with a full squad so, uh, you know, again, it is the the hope that kills you I believed uh, that we could take a point from that game and I stand by that we absolutely should have taken a point from that game Um, but, as I said last week they should have Forum Continues Mm. All the things we should have done, uh, the number of things we, we should have done, uh, and you know the, the Shakhtar game previously, which I knew was going to come back to bite us, um, you know. But uh, there's so many things that we should have done. The number of chances we had last night, and which you've got to take, mm-hmm. you have to take them at this level. But then, you know, at the end of the day, Paul, you, you end up sort of punched out towards the end of the game. I, I, I did a comparative value of the squads, just to see, because everyone was talking about uh, how much the squads were worth. Um, between the first 11 and the subs, um, our squad's worth $64.57 million, if you uh, believe transfer market. Uh, their squad is worth $326.52 million. Uh, We are less than 20% of the value of their squad. So what happens there is, and you see this sort of thing um, in rugby very often, it's a more physical game, but mm-hmm. you, you see for teams are dominant, you can hold on, usually for 60 minutes, uh, but they'll always get you in the last 20. You'll always lose it in the last quarter because of physicality, uh, you know, will win that battle. Now, it's not quite the same, obviously, in football, but certainly with the way Ange has us playing, you know these guys are playing to the absolute peak uh, of their physical abilities um and they are tiring uh, they are not as um you know again for that sort of 326 million you buy some of the most athletic specimens on the planet yeah you know what yeah. i mean so these guys we have a, you know a physicality deficit uh, basically these they are just more athletic they're just fitter um and there's you know, you don't just buy guys like that uh, because, you know, the, the notion that you can just build people up to be like that uh, is not true in a lot of cases. You, you can build people up to a level, you know. If you've ever met some of these guys, I mean, the the sheer size of them, you know, the, the sheer athleticism of them, they're, they're scary, scary specimens. Um, so... You Know and we we are not going to reach that peak level that they're at, so we have to extend ourselves. Yeah, you know, we are bursting our gut for 60 minutes, um, or, you know, in this case, 70 minutes, uh, and holding our own just about uh, certainly in the first half, which I thought we were very good in. Um, and then uh, you know, the changes are made, and then things go astray. Now, I've already had this conversation with a couple of people. Uh, and I'm sure you did last night uh, about the changes. Uh, my take on it is, regardless of why he's doing it, uh, regardless of you know whether people were great when they came on or half people when they came on, the outcome is the same. Frequently, the outcome is the same. The outcome is we go backwards, uh, it kills momentum. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work out uh, for whatever the reasons are, sometimes different reasons, different days, but making those mass changes Mm. has not been working. It didn't work at the weekend. It didn't work last night. uh, And regardless of what you think about the guys that come on, the the outcome was the same. You know, uh, we should have lost at the weekend. Uh, We we escaped there. uh, And, uh, you know, last night, you know, we did lose. And I feel ultimately they're obviously a very uh, good side, but, you know, the outcome of those substitutions was unfortunate. Now, what you'll never know is if you leave on tiring players, you know, the same goals could have been scored just as handy, you know, so uh, it, there, is no, there is no crystal ball to tell us that and obviously they've, they've got the track man on all these guys so they can see how fatigued yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they know exactly how fatigued they are. Um But, Look, uh, you know, in terms of us going forward, in terms of where we are just now and you know where we want to be, uh, we're not really anywhere great just now in Europe. Um, we are just effectively starting out. We haven't been in the Champions League for five years. Um, and I was at some of those games as well, and they were underlit in particular. I think it was absolutely dreadful. Um, so, um, you know, in terms of why we have European aspirations we all know that you know we had a history in Europe uh, but essentially we had a history in Europe until the money started coming into the game uh, Mm -hmm. from the the TV deals Uh, and since then you know we've really had no history to speak of we had the run in 2003 uh, we've had a couple of individual magnificent victories but you know uh, no real history you know, run to speak of it's certainly none consistently, none for more than one season. Um, so you know, if you can trust that Ange won't leave, then you can trust in what he's trying to do, mm-hmm. and you really, I think, have to trust in what he's trying to do and trust that he won't leave because we have no other choice. Um, you know, uh, I suppose you could argue that, you know, you could do what Rangers did last year and sort of dig in and, you know, wait for other people to make mistakes and, you know, play the way that they play. That's fine, um, you know, and that worked for them. Um, but ultimately, I I think that Ange is on the right path. Um, I think we need to play football in a certain way in order to compete. Uh, and even if it's not a certain way, I don't want to watch football way you know, guys dug in for 90 minutes and hoping to get a jammy break or whatever it is, you know, uh, I I just don't want to watch that game. Uh, I'd rather be proud of the way that we play. uh, And I am proud of the way that we play. And I'm proud of the bravery of the players Mm. uh, because it is an incredibly difficult thing to do under pressure. I'm just ranting now, (laughs) Paulson. But it is an incredibly difficult thing to do under pressure. And as Anne said last week, we need to be more brave. That's some ask. That is some ask when there's guys overwhelming you, you know, uh, and you're you're terrified because as soon as you give the ball away, they're going to be all over you, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know how good they are. You know they're better than you. Do you know what I mean? So you're terrified to give the ball away. You do give the ball away and all of a sudden it's a counter-attack and they're all over you. You know, so I think it is a huge ask of the players and to try and break that mentality of, you know, we, we don't want to be under pressure all the time. That's a very difficult thing to do. Mm. You know, Mm. it's a very difficult thing to believe in. Because, you know, if you believe what they were doing last week, if we consistently, you know, we nearly lost two goals in the first three minutes. So, you know, they they were overwhelming us uh, a fair bit. Um, So uh, to take that decision in the middle of the field or in defence or whatever, to make that sort of, you know, percentage pass, it might not make it. It's a big ask, you know, and you've got to do it under pressure and you've got to make it a split-second decision. I think for the level of players that we have, Ange asks is asks an awful lot of them, but the ones that can stick it, the ones that can improve, uh, they will rise to the top, the others will fall away, we get rid of them, you know, we bring in people who can cope uh, and that's how we progress, that's how you make progress. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I'm hopeful uh, that we can make progress uh, in the coming season. I'm very, very disappointed that the chances of us having European football uh, after Christmas are basically you know, very slim at this point because I really, really wanted to see us in the Europa, not in the Champions League. I wanted to see how we would fare in the Europa uh, against teams that are far more in line with our budget uh, and our abilities. So I really wanted to see how we could go there. You never know, you know. Real obviously, you know, only scored a, a, an equaliser in the 90th minute last night, as I understand it. So, um, you know, uh, but the, the problem is now that there's, there's a few in the, you know, uh, RB and Shakhtar are really in the mix, mix, so they're going to be going for it.
3: Yeah. You yeah. know. Uh, we had due a result at the Bernabeu, though. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, because that's, that's how it works <laughs> It's been a while, John um, we're, we're talking about the response to, to last night The reaction to last night And obviously you've given us yours as being at the game And yeah, we always do get built up And that's that's natural because of the atmosphere I've got a lot of good comments coming in which I'm going to share I'm also wanting to look at the reaction of Ange himself after the game I, I always enjoy watching the uh, press conference Conferences often after a football game or leading up to a game, these things can be really boring affairs. But with Ange Postecoglou, it's different. You, you kind of hang on his every word. You're trying to get an idea of what he's thinking uh, about the performances. And last week, the reason we've got the the strapline today uh, is last week he spoke about a mentality. And then last night he touched on it again, uh, and I'm I'm going to have a look at some of his comments to see whether or not Ange thinks that yeah, as well as improving on the players we have, improving on the recruitment to bring in better, um, he's also looking at a mentality aspect of many of these players. In fact, from the starting lineup, only one player had Champions League experience for Celtic prior to this season, and that was Joe Hart uh, last season. And I think that speaks volumes. Well, how, well contrast and compare between the two sides um, as well. But I'm bringing in some of these comments because uh, Brown Warrior comes in to say on the YouTube channel, Tony Watt v Barcelona in front of 60,000 and the best team in Europe for decades possibly ever, maybe even the best team in the world at the time, takes his chance with composure. Stop making excuses for them, Ange, um Stop making excuses for them, And Watt had little experience at that point. Well, um,
2: just to add to that, sorry to interrupt, Paul, but uh, Maeda... You have to say, you know, I doubt he has the composure to write a short story about uh, being composed. Uh, I mean, the man's as composed as the heart of the sun, you know. I mean, he's as cool as the heart of the sun, should I say. Um, But, uh, you know, again...
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com Internet for details.
1: This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: You you can't disagree with the the sentiment there in terms of the number of chances that we're missing, Mm. you know, so...
3: I I get what Brown Warrior says, there are moments where everybody becomes a hero, it's time for heroes, it's time for them to stand up, and and I totally get that. I guess what I'm trying to do, and it's not because I feel uh, that I need to uh, offset any negativity that I've seen on social media and from um, cheap hacks in the media, uh, which we'll come to, but I honestly do believe in what Andrew's doing. Uh, I think that there are our aspirations, and I don't think we are at a stage that we can be. Now, I'm not going to say we are going to become that club, John, that that um, returns back to the, the glory days, the golden age of the 60s and 70s when it comes to Europe. Um, but we are underachieving, is what I'm trying to to get my head around. And where are we? Where do we sit? Uh, well, we should, should certainly... As you said, there'll be in the Europa League after Christmas. That's no, there's certainly no certainty to that. I'm going to have a look at some of the uh, comments coming in from Ange last night. So he's disappointed for the supporters. It's great that he mentions the, the fans. I know Jota has in recent times as well. Disappointed for the players, um, but he maintains that it was the missed chances that cost us. Now. We could go on about all four games, John, and we could talk about the what-ifs of all four games because we have had those moments. Right back to the Real Madrid with McGregor hitting a post, going in at nothing each, Maeda getting that chance, lacking composure, as you said. Uh, and we could go through every one of the four games and, and there are what-if moments, but it, it's difficult to sell that idea after a 2 nothing defeat, after your Champions League dream is in tatters. But what I found interesting, John, right... After speaking about mentality last week, he spoke about the stresses and the anxieties of the players at this level. And, and I found that interesting because what I'm thinking to myself is, right, is he looking at that squad, just like what I've said there, not one of them had kicked a ball in a Champions League other than Joe Hart, who started for Celtic last night. And he's maybe looking at the RB Leipzig squad and saying, well, in terms of the age, John, very, very similar average age of two sides we're, we're both mm-hmm. um just under 25 years of age but when you look at the experience at champions league level we've got a total of 81 caps to their 171 how much weight do you put on that the fact that yeah it's our, our maiden voyage in this tournament almost and given us two or three seasons down the line even the same group of players would do better do you buy into that
2: well absolutely <laughs> You know, if you don't buy into that, you're assuming that the players are all sociopaths. You know, I mean, you just, you know, turn up, don't feel a thing and just, you know, crack on with doing their job. But they're human beings, you know. Uh, and, you know, they're very well aware of what stage they're on. They're well aware. You, you think they haven't looked to see who they're playing against. You know, you think they haven't checked the transfer values, and you know, or looked at the, the, these guys' histories. They know who they're up against. So, of course they're stressed, and of course they're anxious. Uh, And it's the ability to deal with that, uh, and that ability comes with experience. Mm -hmm. Because you're always stressed or anxious when you're doing things for the first time. Do you know what I mean? I was stressed about doing this podcast. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So, you know, and there wasn't 60,000 people roaring at me, you know, uh, either. So, you know, it's, of course you're stressed and anxious. Now, usually, you know, experience uh, of certain environments will change that. Um, so you have to, but what we have to do is we have to be good enough to make sure that we're still playing in those environments. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and again, there's no advantage to us to come in the, here, being in the Champions League and getting punted out and have no European football because that is another a decreasing circle because what that will mean is less players will want to come. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because, yeah, I you know it's great being in the Champions League, but it means you're getting, like, four games in Europe or six games in Europe every year, and that's it. You know, and your season's over by Christmas. So, um, you know, it makes a huge difference, obviously. Uh, these are uh, young men uh, who need to compose themselves, and they know they're outmatched. <clears throat> they know that every game they're playing here, they have to play at the peak or the pinnacle uh, of their abilities um, and that is stressful that is a difficult thing to do I'm not making excuses for them I don't think we need to make excuses for them uh, I, I don't think uh, we're good enough at this level at the moment I, you know, we're not making excuses uh, I, as it stands we're not good enough, so you know at the end of the day there's no point in, I mean I rewatched the game uh, this morning um, you know, emotion free, as it were. Mm. And there were a lot of good performances, and some of the people that were getting absolutely battered on, you know, Twitter when I was on my way home last night. You're just, you know, you're thinking that he was, he didn't play that badly. You know, there was a lot of good performances right up until the substitutions. Then things changed. Um, you know, and that was maybe just people settling in or whatever. But you know, Haksabanovic going off. I, I, You know, unless he was, you know, on oxygen, I don't think he should have been off. You know, uh, he was probably the best player for a good chunk of that game, certainly our best player. Um, I see people saying O'Reilly didn't play well in that Holden role, McGregor's role. Uh, Certainly in the first half, he did. He He did, he played really, really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, and the second half... um, you know, it was a slightly different game. But they come out... You've got to factor the other team into this. Yeah. In the, in the first half, it looked to me as if they were playing for a draw. <clears throat> in the first half, it looked to me as if they weren't really... You know, they weren't at it, hammer and tongs. They, they were just uh, going through the motions. And obviously, the manager thought the same thing and went through them at half time. You know, because uh, when they came out in the second half, it was a different kettle of fish. You know, so... um you know, at the point that we are starting to uh, fade slightly, they're obviously turning things up a bit because they, you know, they think they can take the points. But mm. you know, look at the end of the day, uh, you know, we don't need to make excuses. Uh, the, the results are there. We, we, we haven't been good enough. We should have done all of these things which we haven't done. It's unfortunate that none of our strikers are currently really on particularly good form. Uh, you know, we've had some unfortunate injuries, um, and uh, you know, the timing of the whole team's form. Uh, you know, hasn't been great, but I mean, there were some great performances there. If you look at CCV and Jens, you know, uh, <clears throat> I thought <clears throat> the last time I saw it, when Jens played with Welsh, I thought Welsh was a better player. Yes, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, in fact, he was the better player. There's no question. I thought Jens was losing the ball all over the show. The man looked like he was born to play in the Champions League last night. You know, he alongside did. alongside CCV, who mm. was phenomenal. Um, and I look back at the goals as well. Um, and again, the goals wasn't because of the central defence. The, the goals was essentially midfielders failing to track their runners. You know, in one case, O'Reilly and Turnbull. You know, O'Reilly is really blowing at that point, to be fair. It's right at the end of the game. He's really blowing. Uh, and Turnbull's just not very quick. And he just didn't track the boy. You know, uh, and, you know, and again, similar sort of situation for the first one, uh, for the one that Werner scores. Um, and he just runs through a crowd of our players. I mean, they're all there; they're all standing there. They just didn't mm-hmm. track the run, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, there's lots of, as you say, ands, ifs, buts. Uh, the reality is, you must take those chances. If you don't take those chances, what that means is you're not good enough at this level as it stands. You have to take them. So, you know, we're not good enough at this level, uh, you know. And as Anne said himself, I believe after the game. You know that's a, a conundrum that teams spend hundreds of millions yeah. trying to solve. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want a guy who's not Kyogo or Maeda, you want guys who are super composed. You know, never flustered. All of that. You know, incredibly athletic. You know, unbelievably uh, precise. And you know, uh, they they score. You know, ninety five percent of their chances. That guy's going to cost you a hundred million. You know, so. It's not our guys. You know, we we have to be better. But I mean, to be fair, you know, if that was Kyogo of last year, he would have scored. You would have fancied
3: him to score, yeah, because you, yeah. you mentioned there about the form and yeah. everything um, coming together almost as a perfect storm at times can work in your favour or or uh, the opposite. And with the injuries the form, the fact that we don't have that goal scoring striker at the moment, all of these things are feeding into it. I find it incredible actually I've I never seen any of the, the flack perhaps that uh, O'Reilly was getting last night because after the game we do the audio uploads and away home after that so i never seen that but I'm going to run into some of the, the stats of the game uh, just after we finish with this reaction because I mentioned earlier about uh, cheap hacks having a dig at Celtic now I think that the reason I'm bringing it up is it isn't just last night we, it's almost as if in, in recent times Celtic Celtic have been fair game. This will lead me on to the Green Brigade in a wee second here and the great work that they did. But almost like Celtic have been fair game, John, um, because of uh, some protests at at our games and the way that um, the reaction has been in some uh, corners of the media by people who, you know, I'm not even going to name them. You all know who they are. I'm not even going to give them um, any kind of airtime. But then last night we get, Some guy on a channel that you would never tune into, but that you know it comes up on your Twitter feed because they know they're going to get a reaction. It's a shock jock tactic, John. But to call Celtic an embarrassment. Um, this fella knows nothing about Celtic He knows nothing about Scottish football It's ill-informed He doesn't understand that we're in a scenario at the moment Where Ange is taken us into our first campaign at this level And we're still building a team And for, for him to come along and say we're an embarrassment I, I do get a sense that that's a knock-on effect Not only the last night's result but all of the flack that we got recently that no one really stood up to in terms of the club. It's almost as if Celtic are fair game. We can say what we like about you. And I've I've come close sometimes to going toe toe with some of these clowns, but they would oh. they probably wouldn't even respond to you, they would just block you. But what do you make of that that kind of tactic after the game? And by the way, there's plenty in our own media um who are no better when it comes to Celtic. Yeah. Well, you know. What is it
2: they say? Never argue with an idiot. They just drag you down to their level, um, you know. Uh, and the, you know you can't agree with them because then you just both be wrong. Um, so you know that that those kind of tactics I've seen a lot more of it recently. Um, you know because I, I scan a lot more of Celtic media now or the media in general relating to Celtic. You know because I am doing the podcast, so you're looking at the news aggregators like News Now and stuff like that for all the stories, uh, and they all have the same approach. It's like one wee nugget of information spun 10 different ways, Mm -hmm. you know, and then as soon as there is anything actually of interest that they could say, I mean, you're saying something like an embarrassment. I mean, (laughs) I I mean, honestly, you know, I'm trying, you know, again, I I want to keep my language civil. So, you know, that's an outrageous comment, an absolutely outrageous comment. But I mean, I saw... Yesterday, um, I tweeted the the, there was a banner of what was it the 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 Green Brigade had uh, against hunger in the crown, and someone had uh, you know put that up you know banner at Celtic Park you know with the implication that there was something wrong with that. There's something wrong with this, you know. It's just like what, what are you talking about? Enough. You know, they just know nothing about. They know nothing about the history. They don't appreciate any of the. What, you know what the fans are about. They don't know anything about the club at all. Uh, they're not interested in knowing something about the club. It's basically let's find something uh, that we can dig into people about, and they will you see. The problem is they will get a reaction because mm-hmm. if I'd seen what you just said, that you saw, I, I would I would have reacted to that. Um, you know, and so, you know. They make mugs of us that way because they do ta- They do tap into your emotions, you know, and try and get you really annoyed. And then, you know, sometimes you do get really annoyed and you do react and, the, you know, a lot of people do. So it gets them exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the most frustrating thing about it. Uh, you know, and as for the club, you know, fighting the corner, you know, again in terms of media relations, perhaps uh, there is something that the club could do to say, you know, our comms team could maybe say to people, you know, uh, look, look, what's that about, you know, and, and challenge them there. But, yeah, you know, again, what are you going to do? Stop them having access. Do what Rangers do, it charge them 25 grand for access. Mm. You know, what I mean,
3: it probably isn't a bad idea. To be fair, but, See the thing, you know, John, I, yeah. I watched that. Um, I'm a big fan of Chris Sutton. I, I really do, not just because he's... Uh, Celtic career but I, I do rate him as a pundit and he did a I think it was a BT sports show recently with is it Daniel Curry and, and they're speaking to mm. to uh, Ange Postecoglou, <clears throat> and you see Ange in a different <coughs> light depending on who's facing him don't you I mean you yeah. see him at the press conferences being quite serious very serious actually um, with a lot of the Scottish media uh, not so much with the fan media uh, he opens up to to Cy Ferry, for example, and I thought he was really good with Chris Sutton. And if I was a club, I'd be I'd be putting him in front of Jason Cundy and I'd be saying, yeah. "All right, on you go." Explain explain to Ange Postacoglu why his team is an embarrassment because he wouldn't yeah. last five seconds with with Ange. No, no. you know, in front of him.
2: No, Ange um, is a tremendous performer. I'm, but you know, as you say, you know, I love watching Ange because I'm on his side. I wouldn't want to be on the opposite side. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just that look he would give you, and the mate, the way he says, it, the the inflection on mate. Know. You know, if whether he means it or whether he's trying to say exactly the opposite. Uh, you know, it, it's great to watch. But look, these people are clowns. Uh, they're professional clowns. Uh they they have to you know, get a reaction in order to do their job, otherwise they don't get the figures, otherwise don't they? I mean, you know, I'm sure he would have said the same thing about loads of other clubs as well, if he thought he could get a reaction, it's just because our support, are, you know, actually care about the club, and therefore get really upset about stuff like that, so they're taking advantage of the, how much we care about it, but, you know, look, that's our job. I suppose... Best thing, the only thing really we can do is try and tune them out. Uh, but it can be very difficult sometimes. I mean, as you say, it comes up on your timeline and you're, unless you're not on social media at all, it's very difficult to tune out some of this nonsense um, and not be taken in by it. But look, the thing about it is if you are taken in by it, you can be at it all day. It can t- take up your whole day. It can affect your mood. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? I so can. It can, can actually cha- change your mood, you know, and... You, you need if that's what you're finding, you need to step away from it for a while and just, uh, you know, not not get too involved in it because, you know, you, you start out the day feeling great, you know, and, and before you've left for to go to work, you've read five things and you're raging. I know.
3: <laughs> and then you, at, at the end of the day, you look at your to do list and think, damn, uh, d- didn't get that done. But I mean, even if if you go back to 1965 when Celtic launched the Celtic View, I know. Times have changed now, John, and, and obviously there was no need for a, a physical weekly news magazine, uh, but at the time there was. And a big reason and a big part of that, I've, I've had the privilege of speaking to Jack McGinn, uh, who launched it, John McGinn's granddad, of course, and he was talking about not controlling the narrative as such, John. Uh, I know it, it later became known as Pravda, I, I get all that. <laughs> but And it wasn't controlling the, na- the narrative insofar as Shutting up the supporters, it was more against you know the the situation we were in with the press, where mm-hmm. you know they could they couldn't print what they liked, especially when Jock Steen came in. But we could provide what they said was the truth at that time, and, yeah. and obviously uh, as time went on, once it gets into the the nineteen nineties, and uh, there are fake letters getting sent in by board members just to try and say, oh, the board are doing a fantastic job. I used to love how Not Review just ripped them to pieces by that stage. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the whole reason. So it's always existed. And, and you know, I would like to see some form. I, I guess sometimes, John, the the art of social media shit shithousery can come yep. into place at a later date when we can come back to these conversations when Celtic aren't an embarrassment um, and we can come back to them. Now, I mentioned the Green Brigade um, and I think we've got to. We've got to mention the Green Brigade because uh, obviously the club were fined. I think it was 19 grand uh, on two different issues in relation to pyrotechnics and um, a banner, uh, which it would appear, you know, you're not allowed to view your opinion Of certain matters, John, but uh, you will be forced to um, uh, cheer for a minute or whatever they tell you to do with regards to the same matters. It's it's an interesting situation. But the Green Brigade came out fighting, as we did, as they did. Sorry, uh, in relation to the fine over the Palestinian display, and very quickly raised twenty-six grand for food banks. Now it's not something that we can ignore. We've got to broadcast that out there and say, look. This is the work that these guys do. You can't call our club an embarrassment uh, and a disgrace and everything else we've been called when the good work is time and time and time again, John, ignored. So we've got yes. to broadcast that. Brilliant bit of work by the good. <clears throat> yeah, I
2: know. And Andy did that the last time as well, didn't they? Uh, raised, I think, 170 odd grand for uh, yeah. uh, uh, Palestinian causes. Uh, but, I mean, myself and Kev had this discussion at length uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and, you know, my point was just the same. If you're saying there's no politics, uh, then there is. there should be no politics. End of, right? Not subjective, not decided mm-hmm. by uh, a committee of what's appropriate at UEFA, uh, because it's completely subjective. Well, they, they have no idea, you know, what's behind that. Um, And, you know, you might find it offensive, but if you don't want to be offended, don't go to football because there'll be people standing around you shouting stuff that's going to offend you rightly, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, the notion that they can just subjectively determine what is and isn't appropriate a football game uh, is a nonsense. And I noticed, actually, they were careful to say it wasn't fit uh, uh, material for a, a football game instead of, say, you know, it was a political they didn't mention political, and they didn't do that now because they've broken that now because they can't do it anymore because they made they made us all wear wave, uh, wave Ukrainian flags and you know and there was you know that that was all fine and dandy but yeah you know you couldn't say anything about Palestine you can't say anything about the crown um, you know I mean and being anti-monarchist and who are the monarchists at UEFA I'd love to know I, mean, I don't I don't I don't know how many monarchies there still are around how is it not appropriate. You know, you know, I mean, you, know. You, you, could say, you could say you don't like, I don't appreciate the language, but, you know, are we now going to start banning banners based on the language that's on mm,
3: Because know, a, Exactly.
2: I I, I just, I, I don't know, you know, it's a cool can of worms. They have opened a can of worms mm. here. You know, and once you get delving into it, it's just like, well, you can't stand that argument up. You can't stand by that. You know, so that's fine. They can hand out the fine uh, and we end up having to pay us a bit like a parking ticket. But, you know, if, if, if you went to court... Yeah, yeah, they cannot stand those arguments up. There is no logic behind them. It is just purely subjective and, in my view, absolutely disgraceful. Um, and, you know, if you want to talk about embarrassments, they'd be one of them. Um, now, you know, the, the Green Brigade have, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like them. I, I think they've done uh, tremendous work. I think they do tremendous work in the stadium. Uh, it obviously comes with issues. Like, I knew would get fined for the pyro, you know, straight away. Um, uh, you know, you've got to take that in the chin. That's dangerous, and uh, you know, I know people like it, but it is dangerous, and you shouldn't be doing it in the stadium. So you take that in the chin. Um, but you know, in terms of free speech, in terms of banners, uh, you know, who are you if is now the morality police that's telling us what we can and can't say again? What nonsense is this? You know, it's not a political situation. It's not... You know, it's pure nonsense. And uh, uh, Anyway, that's something I think the club should appeal because uh, uh, they will not be able to stand that argument up.
3: There comes you know, a time. There comes a time, John, where, like I say, you've got people in the, the media coming out and saying whatever they they please about Celtic Football Club and our supporters. Um uh, And then, obviously, UEFA for finance But there comes a point where I, I do think, stand up. Stand up for the fans here. Um I mean... I, To be honest, and I could be wrong, but when I seen the banner last night, uh, although I'm paraphrasing a wee bit, I I thought about the Fields of Arthur and Rye lyrics um, Uh against the famine and the crown. That's what I, I, instantly, because I think it was the the hunger and the crown, but against the famine and the crown is what I thought about. And and I think to myself, well, can you not even display that um, lyric on a banner Uh now because Uh it's going to offend somebody um, at UEFA? I, I find it ridiculous, but the Green Brigade stood up and I think what they've done has now, been that, fabulous. That's
2: interesting Paul. you know, because you think about it that way. You know, that's what everyone thought as soon as you saw that. You know, they have paraphrased that lyric. That's what they've mm-hmm. done. That song...
0: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for based on cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details
1: as the number one audio company iheartmedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iheartmedia is your access company Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: It's selling in rugby stadiums all around the world. The Fields of Athenry, everywhere the Irish go, you know, or, uh, Irish teams go, they're singing that song. So, <clears throat> you know, are we saying that's now not appropriate? Are we saying that they're going to get fined for doing that? You know, why are we getting fined for doing it? And what we Is the Fields of Athenry now a band song? You know, <clears throat> so... You know, again, it's nonsense. Now I know that's not the one that they, they you know, they they, they band us, you know, they find us for, but it's the same principle. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the same principle. What isn't isn't uh, appropriate should not be subject to some morality police at UEFA. There are either definite rules or there
3: aren't. Remember the um, the Furore when We Fergus wasn't long at the club, around the fields and Rye and certain people in the media. Um, I'll actually need to dig this out Because I do remember some reports Around uh, banning that song At Celtic Park And McCann came out swinging um, And he printed the lyrics in the Celtic view And and, um, (laughs) everybody got a wee history lesson It was tremendous And that sometimes is what you're looking for From the club isn't it Just to say no actually we support our fans on this one Yeah yeah,
2: that would be great that would be great and they should do that. I think they're loath to do that because then you know, in this uh, because the of everything that we just discussed uh, uh, about you know the shock jocks and the, the people manipulating the media. So what they're trying to do there is if the club reacted to it in any way, then they would start listing off, you know, everything that the Green Brigade had ever done that was offensive and say this is what the club supports. You know. So the club has to tread a very f- fine line there. Uh, you know they want the Green Brigade uh, for the colour and the noise and the passion. Um, they don't want the hassle, so they're sort of conflicted about whether you know they, they want them because of everything that they're good that they do. They don't want anything to do with anything controversial because that, they're still, after all, a PLC. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not they're not in the business of you know really coming out and supporting us. But that that's what makes it. It, it, it certainly during the times of, you know, the end of Neil Lennon and stuff like that, it was that sort of perceived lack of passion, lack of care, the fact the treatment of it purely as a business that enraged people. People mm-hmm. were just furious, you know, and myself included. I'm saying people. I was, you know, so. Um, but you're just furious because it feels like it's a bit like... Um, you know, the way things are with the governments and so on just now and the situation we we're in, cost of living crisis, all the rest of it, you've got no say. It feels like your voice just doesn't matter. It feels like you're just screaming into the void. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what it can feel like uh, being mad, you know, being owned essentially by a PLC because it is a faceless corporate. Uh, there, there are some very good people in there, but it is not their job as they see it to get involved in standing up. Now, Fergus was different because Fergus was... The owner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, he, he could stand up and say, you know, he owned the business. So he was perfectly entitled and perfectly right to stand up and say what he wanted, you know. But again, we've got a board of directors who are answerable, answerable to shareholders. And if the shareholders objected to something they said, then they'd be in a lot of trouble. It is, you know, it is quite soulless when you think about it like that. So uh, unless uh, the board appoints someone. Uh, to liaise with the media, and I don't just mean liaise with them. I mean fight our corner. I mean mm-hmm. someone who's a, perhaps who, whose remit is more than just uh, you know facilitate guys to write a lot of nonsense about. His remit might be you no. Know, when someone says something, gets get tore into them, you know, and release something on social media that, that counteracts it. You know, you don't need to get involved in big rammies, but you know, it's just a, a very black and white statement that says everything this man said was a load of nonsense. Thank you very much, Celtic Football Clubs. you know, <laughs> PLC. You know, so just leave it at that. Um, but, you know, I would love to see something like that happen. Uh, I would love to see someone be put in place there whose job is to fight the corner. Because it can't be Ange, you know. No. Uh, you know it's, it's not his job to be patrolling social media and uh, all this content. He probably doesn't look at half it, or you know, 90% of it. Uh, so it's not his job to do that. But when he's confronted by it, he smacks it down. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, you know, this stuff is insidious. You know, this stuff is out in the background. P- people constantly trying to undermine the club, and especially after what happened with, uh, you know, uh, a recent play about uh, the, the 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 older lady that died at uh, ninety six from natural causes in her favourite castle. Um, so, you know, that was uh, you know that sort of thing is unfortunate. But you know, again, it would be great to see us uh, fight in a corner, but. Unless they appoint someone to that, no one in the, there's nobody in an existing position like Michael Nicholson or Andrew or anyone else who's going to do that. Mm-hmm. So the board would have to decide that, and uh, I think that's very unlikely, and it is very frustrating. So another another frustration, much like our form at
3: the moment. <laughs> it is, it is, John. But talking about the form, I want to come back to something you mentioned there, which surprised me a wee bit about some people being unhappy with Matt O'Reilly. I'm going to come to some of the performances last night. Jake thinks it's hard to take any comfort and look how far the club has come. Another awful European campaign. Emma will never get an easier Champions League group. Massive failure by the club. A massive failure, what else could have been done would be my my question there because I think that in terms of the um, recruitment over the last 18 months since Sanders come in I think the recruitment's been excellent I think going into the pre-season there John time and time again on on this broadcast we spoke about the unlikely nature of us getting Jota and Carter Vickers on permanent deals yeah. we did it we did yeah. they were the two marquee signings you no, know, I, and we brought I, them in I,
2: I, I respectfully completely disagree with that statement uh, you know first of all You know, and I know Kev takes this view as well. You you take the view of Celtic over the sort of last 20 years. Well, that's not fair. You know, like Lowell's not there anymore. Uh, It's a completely new manager, completely new set of players. You can't just, you know, it's not one homogenous blob that's to blame for everything. You know, that's just not the case. It's a new team that was put together last year. Uh, We were fortunate to win a league last year uh, given the circumstances that we found ourselves in at the start of the year Uh, we did great work, Uh, the manager did great work, so did the players Um, and we we won that league deservedly so, but we were fortunate because it could have been a lot, lot worse if we didn't get the right man in um, uh, if anything had gone slightly different, uh, it could have been a catastrophic season to follow up what was another catastrophic season so you, you have to take that on board that's fine, but You know, this year you're hoping to see more progress. So what I'm looking at in the league and and, and things like that is are we making progress there? Now, despite the fact uh, where our form is at the moment, we are, in fact, much better off points-wise than we were this time in the league. Uh, I think that this time last year we'd lost three and drawn one. Mm -hmm. You know, so we are, in fact, uh, you know, a better side from that point of view, despite the fact... You know, uh, uh, so I I think it's only fair to compare apples with apples, right? So if we go into next season's Champions League as champions, as we undoubtedly will, uh, there's <laughs> some Rangers guys somewhere <laughs> clapping that as well as, right, anyway. So there's, um, but as we undoubtedly will, uh in my view, uh then we'll see then because we need a better calibre of player, right? We've done a fantastic job to get very, very, very you know, good players in to win is the, 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 uh, the Premiership. But at the end of the day, you know, you're talking about the very top of the game here. And as I just pointed out, massive failure by the club. All right, so I'll go and knock Michael Nicholson's door and ask him why he didn't spend £326 million, you know, like Leipzig have done, or, you know, have gathered up that value in their squad. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a massive failure. Oh, come on. But be realistic here, you know, and I know it is disappointing. I know the hope is the thing that gets, as I said, right at the start. But, you know, people from last week saying, oh, we're going to win this game. I think we're going to win this game. Yes, look, with your supporters hat on, you know, you, you want to say we win it. But there's no excitement in being pragmatic. Or at least be realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I was hoping that we would get a draw. I didn't think we would get one, but I was hoping we would get one. I believe we could if we played well. But I also knew we're not playing well. So, you know, am I surprised at the result? No, not at all. You know, because uh, that's uh, so for people to be raging. You know, you saw the game last week. What did you think was going to happen in the space of a week? You know, to uh, be learn absolutely no lessons at all. So, look we're going to go on and do much, much better. Angie's a great manager. We'll get better players in, hopefully, if the club do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But it's very much now, you know, with any value that we've built up in these guys, you know, if we are selling, you know, if we bought Haxabanovich for, you know, one and a half million and he's now worth five million, you know, if you're selling guys like that, the next guy you buy cannot be a one and a half million pound player. He okay. has to be a five million pound player. So, the way this is going to work is the only way it's going to be successful if the board finally bites a bullet and say we're not resetting to scratch every time we buy we sell one of these guys. Yeah, you know, so that's where the future lies for us, and it's all in the hand of the board, you know, in my view, because realistically there is no other path forward for us at all. Now, as I say, I would have loved to see us in Europa because that would have been a real, uh, a real test of where we're at. And that's where I've loved to have seen us, but I, I, you know, this isn't a test for us really at the moment because we're just, you know, they're, they're, we're just not at this level. And it, it, the one thing he did say was that it was a very good, uh, you know, it was a, it was a good group for us. That is true, you know, because especially with Shakhtar. But look at what's happened here, and This is what happens at this level. Shakhtar, you know, should be absolutely decimated. Shakhtar have been desperate. You know, they've lost all their first team players. That they should there shouldn't be. You know, they're lucky if they'd be able to kick a ball between them. And, you know, they've been absolutely decimated. And look at what they've done. I know. You know, they've taken they've a point out. from Real. They've taken three from uh, Leipzig. I mean, it's, it's and they've got Marion
3: Sved playing right wing. I
2: know.
3: I know. Listen, <laughs> you know. I'm going to keep going back to this weird result yeah. of the about. I'm going to keep coming back to that. <laughs> um Yeah, so on the game then, uh, the, the thing with me in, in relation to where I am with data and um, analysis and stats is I've always had an intrigue in it, John, because um, in the very early days of A Celtic State of Mind when we were an audio-only podcast, we used to get Alan Morrison on as a special guest to make sense of everything that was going on, who was playing poorly and why, etc. And Kevin and I, found it absolutely fascinating to the point where Kevin invested in a whiteboard and now does wee graphs and all that himself. Um, I'm not sure if they make much sense. But I'm now at the the stage where I I watch the game, like you say, as a fan um, whilst trying to make sense of it. Um, I often go back and watch it again once the emotion is removed, like you did today. And then I, I try and look at the statistics and the data. And, and bring it all together so that you can have a view on the game so someone who maybe remembers three or four moments that they were unhappy with with Matt O'Reilly last night yeah. might come away from that game and say You said a bad game I'm not criticising anybody That that is an observer's view that's always been my view he's played well he's played badly um, but The stats would argue that Hatate, sorry, Matt O'Reilly was the most effective player on the park for Celtic, both defensively and uh, in an attacking sense. When we look at um, the quality of their contributions, so that that's an interesting one for me because that's the way I watched the game. I don't know was that similar to you when you watched it back? Matt O'Reilly's defensive and attacking play was very effective.
2: Well, at at the time at the game, I I thought he played well offensively. but on watching it back, uh, he did a lot of defensive work, really mm-hmm. important defensive work. It, you know, He made a couple of vital interceptions, made a couple of great tackles, broke up the play really, really well. So, you know, it, it was really interesting, you know, on watching it back, uh, because obviously that's a controversial uh, pick. You know, that's a very controversial selection for us to play that three in midfield. That is controversial because then you've got people saying, "Well, what did we buy Abelgard for?" Yeah, you know um, what is the point of Moy and McCarthy, and you know what is it? You know if that's the three that we're going to play, but actually, you know O'Reilly wasn't to blame, I don't think, for anything last night. I mean, I, I, I you know again, it was very interesting watching his defensive contribution, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which I didn't notice at the time. Uh and offensively, I thought he, he was as good as he usually is. So, you know, but again these things are all relative. You know, they are relative to the players that you're playing against. So, you know, our guys are, you know, our best guy, you know, won't be as good as their best guy. You know, that's that's just the way it works. Um, You know, so I, I feel that, You know, people see things obviously very differently. That's the whole point of these conversations. Mm -hmm. You have very, very different opinions, and it's why I go and watch it back because you want to get some objectiveness into what you're going to say. You know, because when you're standing roaring and shouting, you know, and you've decided the first guy that missed a ball is now your your whipping boy for the rest of the game and you're roaring abuse. (laughs) you know, so that, you know, you want to go back so you can give a, a balanced view and, um, you know, O'Reilly I think, is backed up with the stats, as you say, I
3: think, Paul, isn't it? And we've all got biases as well, John. So yeah. we look at certain players differently because yeah, based yeah. on um, this perception that we've built over a period of time and the amount of times we've watched them playing. Um, so yeah. that plays a massive part. But I've got to say, I, I did, you know, in real time, think that Matt O'Reilly had a, an excellent game. Um, and when we're looking at uh, the actual chances created, um, again you were saying you were happy right up to a certain moment last night um, We created more chances second time round than we did in the first game against Leipzig We also reduced their chances uh, second time round um, compared to the first game So what it comes down to is the the poor quality of our finishing And I think you could see that I mean Kyogo's header uh, for me We've seen him scoring goals like that without blinking. Uh, we've hit the post, we've hit the bar. The post, I thought, un- l- unlucky. Greg Taylor's got to score the rebound, though. You know, So there's, there's all these moments. Um, one of the things that surprised me, and I'd need to go back and watch the game, is that after the substitutions, Moy's contribution was very positive as well. I'd need to look back on that. And it's not a player that I criticise that often. Um, Hatati and Kyogo were pretty poor in uh, Maeda apparently, um, was the worst of the bunch.
2: Yeah, well funny enough, Maeda in, in the first half looked alright uh, but then I noticed a couple of things and you know, you start to look at the second half you know, he's, he's got the ball he's got time, to, you know, he's on the left wing he's, he's through, he's got time to look up he's got time to take a touch and he just balloons one in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. I don't know where it landed, you know it's just uh, uh, terrible, terrible but you know, and again, that header he had in the first minute, right? You know, he headed it over the bar. Um, you know, it was a low header. It was over the bar. But you were never going to get that. So don't put your head on it. Do you know what I mean? You've got to stop it, drag it back, or, you know, you know, drag it through your legs, or, you know, whatever you have to do. But you're never going to get that. It's never going to be a header. It's, you're falling backwards. It's behind you. You know, what are you going to do... It's exactly what happened. Anyway, it was just bad choices. I don't mm-hmm. think he's playing well at all. Uh, I'm more uh, annoyed about... Um, but we've got replacements for, Kyogo, uh, for uh, Maeda. I'm yeah. more I'm more concerned about Kyogo, uh, to be fair. Um, now, if you want to take the positives, I think Hank Zbanovic has been a real positive the last couple of games. I think he needs to start every game from now on. Um I don't like him coming in for uh, shorter, so I'm, I'm happy for him to play in that sort of uh, ten role or at the, the the top of effectively uh, that three uh, in the midfield. Uh, I think that three in the midfield will be more than good enough uh, domestically. Uh, I, I don't think we need to be playing a defensive midfielder there domestically if we play our football the way we're supposed to be playing it. Um, so, but the, the problem is, I mean, you know, it's the oldest cliche in the world: goals change games, right? And there are so many times that we should have the ball in the back of the net, and it just changes the complete dynamic of the oh, game. Yeah, yeah. You know, and not to fight out of people. You know, it puts them on the back foot. They're, you know, panic, and depending on who it is, it, it makes such a huge difference. And if you can't get the ball in the net, you know, I, I, you know, even domestically we've been leaking a, you know, a couple as well. So that's not great. But you know, I don't think. You know if you looked at that defense last night, you wouldn't have thought they would have much, too much trouble domestically speaking. Um, but again, it's not the defense that was coming from you know the midfield not tracking the runners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's a whole team thing, and that's I think that's basically a tiredness thing. You're, you're getting into the last 20, and I just don't think we have the athletic capability of, of keeping this up, uh, you know. for uh, But if you remember the way we played at the sort of start of last season, you know, we were pumping. You know we were three nil up at half time or four nil up at half time, and Absolutely. then we were terrible in the second half. <laughs> Do you know what I
3: mean? So it's interesting uh, you, know, you mentioned that. Um, yeah. Kevin and I spoke after the game last night where we talked about the issues that we're now seeing in the Champions League, John, being domestic issues last season that we were able to iron out. <laughs> and You look at, yeah, we've only got six games, and you're not going to iron it out in one campaign, but we're going to learn from that. It's going to galvanize us, every individual's going to learn, but so is Andy. I mean, people going about the, the lack of experience in our team, this is Angie's fourth game in the Champions League. Marco Rose, 17 games. I mean, it's not uh, massively uh, more, but this is his first campaign. Uh, so he's learning about uh, the whole dynamic of that as well. He's, he's looking at players that ordinarily would have slotted chances away and for some reason, and he's talking about anxieties and stresses, and he understands that. So I think that What we've tried our best to do here is uh, not just tear it up and say we're never ever going to be a team that uh, is not an embarrassment in Europe to use some of the um, ridiculous language that we were seeing this morning. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time, John. And and we're only four games into that. We really are uh, looking at Uh, from a different perspective entirely I think that uh, we might look back on this campaign going back to one of the previous comments and say this was the one that got away I think Mm -hmm. we might look at that in in that kind of view and and that angle but I'm sure there's much much better to come as well Um, how do we get through I was looking at this this morning so we need to beat Shakhtar at home um, go and get that long awaited result in the Bernabeu I think it's been since 1967 since we've been there victorious over there Um and then we're praying that other results go our way as well so I mean it's still doable John it's still doable
2: yeah, well I mean I, I think you know can, can we beat Shaktar? absolutely we can I don't care what other results they've got I, I mean if you look at their team compared to us this is no longer the same sort of discrepancy that we're talking about I think we have the ability to beat them we should have beat them in that last game I'm, you Know and now that has come back to bite us. We should have taken those points, and again, I'm saying should have, should have, should have. I know I'm, I'm aware I'm cycling back to that, but you know, I think I believe absolutely we can beat Xacta now. And I don't believe you know, I'm not hopeful like I was hopeful we'd get a point last night. Uh, I'm not hopeful, I believe we can beat them. Um, yeah, in terms of Madrid, I think that's hopeful. Uh, I, I, I to be honest with you, I'm not even sure what's worse. Uh, would it be? You know, the full Madrid side, sort of 80%, not really given a monkeys or their reserves who are all trying to make a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of whom, you know, if you added up their value, are probably still worth three times what we are worth. Um, so I'm not sure who you'd rather face. Um, but it might well be the case that Madrid still, you know, have to get some a result to hammer at home. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't even bothered checking whether they're on 12 points or something at the moment. So I think it's pretty much done. But, um, you know, uh, I, I'm hoping they don't they don't care. Uh, and with any luck domestically, they've got some really important game coming up just mm-hmm. after we play them. Uh, and they're resting as many men as possible. Um But, you know, if Shakhtar can take a point off them, why can't we take a point off them? That's what I like to you hear, know. John. Yep. So, uh, you know, and we're better than Shakhtar. I've just said that we're better than Shakhtar, so that means we're going to beat Madrid, technically speaking. If you go by last night's
3: I'll, I'll win in a draw. So... <laughs> that's all we need. I'll win in a draw. Right, listen. Um, there's a fairy tale about this club. Never forget that. Um, I've really enjoyed that, John. It's been tremendous sitting in Kevin Graham's chair for the last uh, couple of weeks. Again, I think we'll be doing it next week. I think Kevin's still um, holidaying in uh, deepest sunniest Fife. I uh, anyway. I know, I know, you must be getting paid well for Maxon, <laughs> um, if, if the rumours are true. Uh, so thank you everybody for getting involved. Keep the chins up and uh, we will be back tomorrow at 12.30 with, with JP. All it's left for me to say once again, John Hughes, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Night.
0: sports social podcast network 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 Network. with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom